Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Episode 487. Sorry I'm a little bit late. It's the 16th of September and I just had a bunch of stuff going, but I'm here. So, this episode I got I got Ben Brandon with me. He's going to join me soon, but you know, remember, remember here at the Handgun World Podcast, I carry a gun because I I can't carry a cop and and we're going to be kind of talking a little bit about that theme. I'm going to be bringing some of that stuff up cuz Ben and I are going to get into a little bit about about the uh, the politics of stuff out there and what some of the other some of the other politicians out there are actually uh, saying on the uh, national stage. I try to shy away from politics on this podcast. I really don't like getting into it on this, and, and I try to keep this as politics-free. But stuff has gotten so crazy, the stuff being said out there from everybody, not, not just Republicans, not just Democrats, not just independents, but regarding the gun issue I mean, it seems like people's heads are blowing off. They're being so stupid. And I want to uh, expose some of that stupidity. So, Ben Branham, welcome. Hey, glad to be here. Good. Well, glad to have you on. So, ben, uh, Ben's going to be kind of like my co-host for this episode. And we're, we're doing this by Skype. Most of the time, we're in person. But we're, we're Skyping it because uh, I had to... I had to watch the Packers kill the kill the Vikings, and by the way, last week the Bears still suck, and now this week the Vikings still suck. So now that I just uh, upset a whole lot of people, a whole lot of listeners, they would expect that from me because I'm a Packer fan. Yeah, you should be wearing your cheese head. I should be wearing my cheese head, but uh, um, not this time. So anyway, remember, this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fantastic holsters. Uh, Today, I'm carrying a Concealment Solutions Cobra, kind of one of those little small ones for a small gun. I've been carrying my G43X today since church. That's been what I've been carrying a lot lately. I can't say enough about the Glock 43X. You know, I was wrong about this gun. I've said it many times to the listeners. I was wrong. I, I thought this gun was stupid. When, when when Glock first announced the Glock 43X, I thought, stupid, stupid gun, because they extended the grip length of the Glock 43, and they took away the concealability, but I now see the sense in the gun. Uh, I think it makes better sense than a Glock 19X. I know, Ben, you might disagree with me on that, but... Um, I got to say a couple things about this Glock 43X. It is so thin that the long grip doesn't make much of a difference. And and you know I noticed yesterday when I was putting this gun back in the safe, Ben, I held the Glock 43X right next to my shield and they're exactly the same size. The Glock 43X and the Smith & Wesson shield are exactly the same size, but the Glock 43X gives me two more rounds. Yes, the grip is the same size as a shield with an eight-round magazine. So people say, well, Glock went after the SIG, you know, P365 with this gun. I think they also went after the Smith & Wesson shield. What do you think? I think it's more the Smith & Wesson shield. It's been the most popular probably concealed gun in 9mm for years. Glock just couldn't do it. Nobody else was doing a single single stack 9mm, and Smith & Wesson came out with that great one, and it was such a great price that, yeah, when I worked for a gun shop, we sold them like crazy. They were they went like candy. They were awesome because of their price, and they felt great, and they were nice and small and thin and all the good stuff. I still have one. I still carry it on and off. I still like it. Yeah, but, you know, there's more and more guns coming out. And, uh, Bob, we know deep down that you are just a Glock fanboy. You love your Glocks. <laughs> I'm Keep not going a, back to them. Uh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. You and I shot competition yesterday. What did I shoot? Your M&P. I shot my completely stock M&P 2.0 compact. And he didn't switch halfway in between. That's Every right. Every competition for like the last two years I've went with you, halfway through you switched guns. And this is the first time I think I've been with you in a couple years of shooting that you didn't switch your gun halfway in between. And I'm going to talk about that. Yes, and I'm going to talk about that. So I will take issue with the statement that I'm a Glock fanboy because, because actually, actually, and I've said this many times, my new favorite midsize firearm 
is the Smith & Wesson MP 2.0 Compact. And there's several reasons for that. It's a great shooter. Yesterday, I shot completely stock, out of the box. I've made no modifications. I've given it about a 600-round trigger job, and that's it. And uh, I shot it very well. I shot it every bit as good as my modified Glock 19. So, you know, and, and the one I shot yesterday, Ben... I got it a gun show for $385. Uh, try getting a brand new Glock at anywhere for $385. That's nearly impossible. So um, I think out of the box, I think an out of the box value, it's really tough to beat right now. A Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 compact. Yeah, they're a great gun. I still carry the original M&P. I've got the same one I've had for five or six years. It's got tens of thousands of rounds through it now. You know, and I just got it back from the armor because, well, the front sight fell off and I needed a really big vice and a really big hammer to ping it so it would stay back in there and somebody did it for me. But, yeah, yeah finally, I finally broke that thing after tens of thousands of rounds in five years. And everybody that, that really knows me knows that, yeah, Glocks, oh, yeah, I've broken two Glocks. I have three. <laughs> yeah, you have and broken. I have broken two. So, yeah, I break everything eventually. It's just a matter of how long and when. How long so, and when, yeah. <laughs> but that M&P held out longer than any of my Glocks did. So i got to say that I, I'm really impressed with the M&P series, and I've carried one for a long time. You have. I just haven't upgraded to the 2.0. I like the trigger system in there better. And not, the, not just the feel. I like how it's engineered together inside the gun better. I'm not sure I like the detent but that holds the... Slide stop up, but you know, hey, every gun. You can't have everything. Always, yeah, it'll always have something. And you want to talk a little bit about gun fit and how it fits your hand, right? We, yeah, we yeah. So let's here. talk about gun fit. Yeah, let's talk about gun fit. So back to this G43X I want to talk about. Uh, I love the fit of this gun in my hand. I love the trigger reach. Uh, something people may not realize about the two newest Glocks, the 43X and the... Um, and the uh, 48, finally, they are making Glocks that fit most people's hands. And they fit my hand. The, the 48, for example, fits my hand better than my Glock 19. And because the trigger reach, the trigger reach on these two new Glocks is actually significantly shorter than the original Glocks. Um, it's not as short as the M&P, which is one reason why I like the Smith & Wesson M&P. I like the Glock 43 better better than the Shield now because more rounds, a, a full-size grip without having to use an extended magazine, which is important to me, and I'm going to get into that. But it, it just seems to fit my hand, and I think the 48 and the 43 by Glock, 43X, will fit a lot of people's hands. Comes down to how you shoot them, too. Comes down to how you shoot them. I'm getting more and more um, fit and feel in your hand is a great way to start to get which guns you want to play with. Yep. But, you know, the Smith & Wessons, both of them feel better in my hand than anything else. That M&P, the 2.0 series is just tacky to me. It's exactly the same size. It just feels the same with a bunch of tacky grip on it. And the Smith & Wesson Shield, I mean, those those two guns really feel the best in my hand. And maybe it's because I've been shooting them forever. It's the best thing I've ever put in my hand. But I keep coming back to the SIG, and every time I play with somebody else's SIG 320 like or SIGs, their 365, yeah. um, I don't really like them, and they kind of feel weird in my hand. They don't feel quite right, but I outshoot my freaking Smith & Wesson every time I play with the SIG. Mm, there you go. Then maybe that's, so, that's what you should have. Yeah, and I know that you outshoot yourself with that Glock 43X with the shorter sight radius and the shorter slide and the shorter barrel than you do with the 48 with the longer and that's just counterintuitive by anybody's standpoint. With the longer barrel, the longer slide length, the better recoil management and the more weight, you should be able to shoot that 48 better. But I've seen you shoot them both side by side. You shoot that 43X better than the 48, which I don't understand at all. But, hey, it's got to be something with the way the gun fits your hand and the way you shoot that we just can't perceive all the time. And yeah. really, you know, what's it matter when you're shooting? Is it... Hits on target and time. That's about it. Hits right? on target. Yeah. The, the the brand of the gun doesn't matter. Where it was made doesn't matter. What the trigger is like doesn't matter too much. What color it is doesn't matter too much. It's, you know what? Can you shoot it? Can you shoot it effectively? Can you make your hits on target? Whatever works for you, shoot it. And um, right now, what's working for me, 
for a uh, for a larger gun, it's it's a Smith and Wesson M&P 2.0, and for a smaller gun, it's the Glock 43X. Those two are working for me. Cool, keep shooting them. That's why I'm I'm thinking about the Sig, just because I borrow one and I shoot it better. So I might have to get over to the Sig. Yeah, let's drop that subject. Ah, ha, ha. all right. Anyway, um, oh, oh yes, just, <laughs> just a bad joke. Just a bad joke. Okay, before we move on, I forgot to mention for those of you that do use concealment solutions, uh, my sponsor, you get a ten percent discount by using the one word hand one word uh, coupon code Handgun World. That's Handgun World, one word. So back to GunFit. Um, a lot of, you know, just, just find what's going to fit your hand. But let's talk about gun fit, Ben. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about trigger reach. Not too many people talk about trigger reach, and I think it's very important. Some call it length of pull. I call it trigger reach. It's basically, it's two things. How, when, when, you, when, when you grab the gun, when you have a full firing grip on the gun, and you extend your trigger finger along the, the, the side of the pistol, and then you drop that tr- your, that finger onto the trigger. Can, can you reach it? Where does that trigger fall on your finger? Can you reach it? And can you facilitate a smooth trigger press without having to adjust your grip? Or without having to modify the grip? And then, of course, it's the trigger travel. And I think the combination of those two um, is, is a big deal. And I think that the trigger reach... Uh, is probably nearly a quarter of an inch less on many guns out there compared to like a full-size Glock. I think so, just because of the the girth of the grip. Is that a good way to put it? The <laughs> girth the of the grip, of the yeah. grip is fatter with the double-stack mags. Yeah, and then, I mean, we can explain it a little bit further, too. If you take your gun and you get a firing grip, that... that gun the beaver tail should sit all the way up against the palm of your hand yeah and when you're holding it without putting your finger on the trigger don't worry about that right now that slide should be pointing straight in line with your forearm yep and with your wrist straight that yep. then you have a proper grip on the gun then you got a proper grip. now put your finger on the trigger can you reach it to at least that distal joint if you can't reach it to at least that joint you're not going to be able to manipulate that gun as effectively as you could. Can you reach the distal joint without moving your hand? Yes. Right. Changing your grip. Without moving your hand and changing your grip. What happens is I see a lot of people with smaller hands, they'll change that grip and they'll slide over and they really put that, that gun is recoiling against their thumb and then they don't get a really straight grip and all sorts of weird things happen and your body's not in line anymore. It can be done to make it happen. I mean, especially a problem with the Beretta 92s out there, the M9 series guns. They're just, that grip is huge. That length of pull is long with the double action trigger. I see lots and lots of people with fingers that are just too short to be able to work those guns effectively. And then they, they fake the funk so that they can pass their qualifications for military and law enforcement. But it, they'll never be as good as shooter as they could if they had a gun that fit them better. And it just takes a lot of extra practice, a lot of extra work. It's a lot of extra recoil. It's a lot of extra pain to get the gun that doesn't fit you. Buy the gun that fits you better, and uh, you can skip all that and just worry about being a better shooter. Yep, and it's one of the reasons why some people uh, just absolutely love 1911s, because 1911s uh, notoriously have fit almost every hand that 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 grabs a 1911. It, they fit. Yeah, and then we work the other way of problems with the like me, the trigger reach is actually too short. Yes. So I have to flatten my knuckle and push backwards on that thing almost to be to have a really, really straight trigger pull. So I'm I'm exactly opposite with long fingers and have different problems. I am too with the nineteen eleven. The trigger reach is actually too short on most nineteen elevens for me. And so that causes other problems. And so the sweet spot for me, you know, seems to be what these what these new guns now have, um, the new Glocks, the new Sigs, the new Smith and Wesson M and P's, uh, even that new CZ uh, P10C that I got a chance to play around with uh, when we went to CZ Day uh, about a month ago. That's got a nice trigger reach, and of course I like the flat triggers also. That just feels real good for me. So all those things I think do make a difference. I think I think the old saying, "It's the Indian, not the arrow." I'm going to say not so much. 
I'm going to say not so much if the Indians got a bad arrow, if the arrow doesn't fit the Indian's hand, if the arrow is too big for his hand, I I think it's going to it's going to affect him a little bit, don't you? Uh yeah, it will. In the beginning, especially with a new shooter, it's going to affect them a lot, yeah. and it's going to make it a lot harder for them to learn the fundamentals. Once you get into that medium to advanced stage where you're like, I'm a decent shooter, and I'm looking at shooting competitions, and I'm getting towards the top 10%, you can make any arrow work. Yes. But then you can always, even the top shooters, if they get one that fits them perfectly, it'll work even better. And ask all the shooters, you know, they're always shaving grips and changing triggers and everything to make it fit them better so that they can shoot faster to get that extra hundredth of a second out of everything. So, yeah, on the the bottom end of the shooters, when you're first beginning, it's going to affect you a lot. And then on the top end, in that mushy middle, you can make anything work if you work at it hard enough. But I'd rather not do that extra work. I'd rather just get the one that fits you well. You shoot it really well out of the bat and just make yourself better and better and move into that top 10% as fast as you can. Yeah, it shortens the learning curve, I think, when you have a properly fitting gun to your hand. That's a great way to put it. There's a lot of law enforcement agencies that can't understand right now that, like, LAPD for years was running the Beretta 92. And then they have... um, and I'm going to say people with small hands, but generally women have small hands and they get all these smaller statured police officers that started coming through and couldn't figure out why they're having problems qualifying with the pistol. Well, it's really, if you'd switch the pistol out, they wouldn't have problems, but you keep that gun. That's just way too big for people. And it's, it's going to be a problem. Or they'd have agencies. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, there's a lot of agencies switching out. I've got a buddy in California highway patrol that they're switching out from the Smith and Wessons they had forever that were, the steel bricks, the 40, I think they're 40, 43s was their designation, but they were a steel brick, felt like a brick, shot like a brick, and they're just way too big with a double action only trigger pull, and they were everybody was having problems qualifying with them. They're finally s- switching to the Smith & Wesson M&P, and now my buddy says the qualifications are just going up. It's way easier to qualify. His scores have gone through the roof, and so has most of the other shooters. So, you know, that, that fit has something to do with it. It has something to do with it. Now, I talked about the sweet spot earlier. For me, and again, everybody's different. For me, the sweet spot is I take an M&P 2.0, which has too short, too short of a trigger reach for me, a stock M&P, too short. And I change it out and I put an Apex Duty trigger, duty weight trigger, flat trigger, which has a little bit of a forward set sear. And that that actually moves the trigger a little more forward than the stock trigger, but not quite as forward as the Glock trigger. And that's the sweet spot for me right there. That's it. And I found that out. And so even though I shot the stock M&P yesterday, I didn't shoot the stock M&P as well as I've shot the M&P with an Apex trigger. Well, maybe you just need to give up all that and just drop an Apex trigger in all of your guns and call it a day. And drop them in my, my full-size Glocks too probably. Um, yeah, maybe that's what I ought to do. So any <laughs> other bugging Bob, huh? stay with, stay with one gun, pick the one that you shoot. There's the no fun in that. that <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. I've advocated for that. Well, I've said exactly what you said, Ben. I, I've, I've said for years, pick the one you like the best and stay with it. It's one of the reasons why I did the one year test, which I've concluded is I just, I figured out, I even figured out before the one year was over. That you know what I can't make double action single actions gun guns work. I I, I don't want to retrain myself to the 1911 uh, style guns. Uh, the striker fires are for me, so that that settled that for me. Well, that's easy. Now you just got to pick a striker fired gun, since there's like a dozen of them out there that are probably good enough to carry. A dozen is about 50 of them. <laughs> it's like. A dozen you know. manufacturers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, a dozen manufacturers. Yeah, there's there's just so much. It's incredible how much stuff is out there. So so now let's shift gear. Speaking about all the stuff that, that's out there, um, I think gun manufacturers are going to start selling a lot of guns pretty darn quick. I think the closer we get to the elections coming up, I think the more they're going to sell because, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to take the attitude – Ah, uh, Trump's probably going to win again, and our gun rights are not in danger. I, I, if you think that, I, I would really urge you to rethink that kind of thinking because, personally, I don't believe that Donald Trump is a a huge 
Second Amendment supporter. I, I think he likes to make us think that he is, but I really don't think that he is as friendly to it as people think. He's the mushy middle when it comes to that. So at least he's not on the I'm going to ban everything side, but he's not on the let's make everything legal side. In the mushy middle, and I think he, I'm hoping, so this is me because I actually like Donald Trump and I actually voted for the man instead of against the lesser of two evils. I did too. I wanted somebody outside of the political arena to come in and maybe help us. And I'm hoping he figured it out after banning bump stocks, which I'm, ugh, that was totally unconstitutional and I'd like to slap the crap out of him for that. Um, that was not a threat. That was just his <laughs> secret service for your listening. That's not a threat. I'm not going to do it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping he figured that out that, you know, hey, he did one thing for, you know, the gun safety with air quotes here movement and all they want is more and more and more and more and they still hate him. So you can't appease somebody that just hates you and wants to get rid of your way of life. And I think that's kind of where we are with a lot of these gun banners. And I hate to say Democrats because, well, you watched the debates the other night and I did. They just. You know, they talk about banning them all and sending people door to door to pick them up and doing buybacks and the crowd cheers and nobody challenges on them. And let's talk about that. Good segue, Ben. Let's talk about Beto Bozo. That's my um, that's my new nickname for him now. You know, first of all, he has a he has a fake nickname, Beto. Give me a break. Why is Robert Francis O'Rourke called Beto? You want to talk about pandering to a certain ethnic group, that's um, that's beyond ridiculous. So Robert Francis O'Rourke now has earned my nickname as Beto Bozo. And somebody on Facebook said, Bob, don't insult Bozo the Clown like that. But I'm sorry, I, I, I insulted Bozo the Clown. So Beto, Beto finally did what probably most Democrats are thinking. He came out and said, hell yes. We're going to take away your AR-15s. And uh, I don't know why that should surprise anybody. But I think, you know what, I think all the other Democratic candidates were kind of breathing a sigh of relief. They probably thought, oh, good, he said it and I didn't. (laughs) But that's what they're thinking. Yeah, none of them want to get caught saying that because they don't want to end their political career. Um, Your bozo, he's already out of it. He's got less than 1%. There's no way he's going to win. So he's trying to do something to get attention and jump up and down. Look at me. Look at me (laughs) with his big red nose. Um, Yeah, I don't like the man at all. I think he's a fraud. He's a fraud. Okay, that's I was about to go way off in left field and use all sorts of horrible acronyms that I probably shouldn't say on a public hour in a podcast. No, please. Please don't. (laughs) No, the fraud is a good way to put it. That's the nice way to put it. He's just a horrible, horrible human being. I can't believe that he's been elected to office. And honestly, I'm not sure he contributes anything to the world besides turning oxygen into CO2. (laughs) Yeah, 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 pretty much. I I would say now. Let's pick on the other side. Uh, They're just as bad. Our terrific Texas governor, Governor Greg Abbott. I mean, okay, strong conservative, governor of Texas, supposed to be a big gun rights supporter, a few days ago comes out and says, I want the legislature to ban straw purchases of guns. Um, now, Now, Ben, how long did you work in a gun shop? Uh, about four years. Governor Abbott's exact words were, I want the legislature to ban the straw purchases of guns. In your four years at the gun shop, was it ever not illegal to make a straw purchase? Yeah, it's always been illegal. It's been illegal probably since, I don't know, at least 1980 something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a felony if you do it, right? Yeah, it's a federal felony, too, not a wimpy city felony. For people who might not know, a straw purchase is when an individual who is legal to buy a gun makes the purchase to buy a gun for somebody else who is not allowed to purchase it. That's a straw purchase, right? Yep, that's the easiest way to define it. It gets really, really mushy because we always fought with the ATF on this stuff. 
and it was to the point where we're not sure we should like tell them about things that happened because they were always kind of the same way they do um, FFLs. Go ahead and start your business. We'll let you know when you need an FFL. And they go ahead and do different purchases. And if you screw it up, we'll let you know that you did a uh, straw purchase. And really, the gun shops are way more afraid of a straw purchase than the felons are. That makes they sense. Don't care. Yeah. They don't go after them. Yeah. But the gun shop I worked with, if we had, if we did a straw for purchase and they caught us, they would ding our license or try to take the FFL from the owner of the business. They'd try to put us out of business if we did them. So it was, it was really, really uh, on the top of our minds all the time, and we were always looking and talking about it. We'd have meetings in the back room about somebody that would come in to buy a gun. Hey, I think this guy's coming in to buy a gun for his friend that was here last week that shouldn't have a gun. Right. And then, yeah, we would just we would say, I'm sorry, we can't sell you that. And I remember one guy walking out of, cussing at us, walking out of the shop. But we weren't going to lose our FFL for one customer that we didn't know and never seen before. And it's been, we know it's happened where they've, the ATF has like tested people right in front of them. And after you sell the gun, they just take your license. So it's kind of that mushy middle, what it is. But I know the ATF is very, very serious about it when it comes to licensing. The problem is I wish they would be very, very serious about it when it came to prosecuting the ones that were actually doing it because that's the criminal. If I sell somebody a gun and I don't know that he bought it for his gang-banging felon friend yeah, and I give it to him and now you're coming after me for it, no, no, there, there's the criminals right there. I mean, you're right. Go, you're right. Go after them. You go after you them. Name and address. Go, yeah. go for it. Here's a, <laughs> here you, here's a copy of their driver's here license. Here you go. Here's yeah. a here's a hot lead. Go get them. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we we're always wanting. And that's what. So so why would Governor Greg Abbott of Texas call for the banning of straw purchases when they've been banned since the eighties? So I'm going to be very, very hopeful on this, like double cross my fingers, jump up and down, hopeful. And here's what I'm hoping, but I haven't had a chance to do any research on it, that he's going to make it illegal and he's going to make it a state law and he's just going to mirror the federal law. And that way, Maybe. since the feds never prosecute this stuff, we know that the 4473, you have to sign and everything, and it's a felony if you misrepresent yourself on that form. And right there it says, are you the actual buyer of this firearm? Yeah, right. So if you misrepresent yourself, and it's, there's a long explanation on the back what that question means. If you misrepresent yourself, that's a felony. So I'm really hoping that he's going to mirror the federal law on the state level so that he can now direct the state prosecutors to start prosecuting those people on the state level instead of bumping up to the felony, the federal level where federal prosecutors just don't care. And I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping you're right, man. I'm hoping you're right. So if governor Abbott or anyone from his team just happens to be listening to this podcast, can you please call me and verify what, what the governor meant by that? Send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. Put a message on my Facebook page. Call my voicemail at 210-646-1727. I'm hoping you're right, Ben. I'm hoping you're right. That maybe he just wants to codify that into Texas law so that maybe so that maybe he has more leverage uh, prosecuting or something. And I'm, I'm said I'm being super hopeful on this, and I, I wish he'd announce a big statement of it. And I wonder if it was just a... It was a couple weeks ago that he made that comment. I wonder if it was a comment off the cuff that he didn't really think about, and now it's coming back to bite him. But I wish he'd do a press release on it and you know put it in writing. Here's what I meant, and here's what I intend to do. And then you know I could either stand up and back him and go, yes, you're doing awesome, sir. Keep it up. Or yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'll get the pitchforks out and we can, <laughs> you know, we can we can make a run on the legislator for next session. And there we go. <laughs> Now, I'm going to be a little more cynical, Ben. I'm going to be a little bit more cynical. I'm hoping that this is what it's not. I'm hoping that it's not ignorance. I'm hoping he's not just ignorant of the law and didn't know that straw purchases were already banned and a felony. I, I, and I'm, I'm hoping it was not just some aide that says, hey, Governor, that you need to put this statement out there. Because then that would say that he's ignorant, and the aide who told him to say that is also ignorant. And if we got that much ignorance going on from our top leaders, uh, that's a bad thing. 
You know, you might be right. And I would probably lean towards more that you are right on that last statement is sheer ignorance. And that pisses me off as much as evil because you shouldn't be opening your mouth if you don't understand what you're talking about. If we can't even get terms together, a straw purchase, what it is and the legal ramifications and we don't even – it's just like – we got to ban the gun show loophole because straw purchases are happening. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop it. You're making up terms. That's true. That's true. Now, okay, so since you're talking about ignorance, so here's more ignorance. So in the Democratic debates, Ben, I don't know if you caught this or if you were watching, but here's another fact. Senator Kamala Harris, the former attorney general of California, said if she were elected president, she would issue an executive order, wait for it, banning the importation of AR-15s. Which which AR-15s are imported? Mm, dude, this is a really good Jeopardy question that I would have to look up, which is pretty <laughs> incredible since I could probably name two dozen, if not 50, between us AR manufacturers right now. I don't know anyone that is. I mean, there's a Turkish company for a while that was importing a AR shotgun, but that's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. And it's not really an AR because it's an AR style and it's a 12-gauge shotgun. But other than that, I don't think there's anybody that makes a legitimate AR style rifle in 5.56 or any of the other common calibers. That's completely imported. Overseas. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about this SIG. And FN, they're both international companies, but they manufacture that stuff here in the States so that they can be on, you know, federal contracts, military contracts. So So, I think so. I think what really happens there is that Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, is so ignorant. She's parroting what Bill Clinton said back in 94, I think it was, where he banned the importation of AKs, for example. She doesn't even know what the hell she's talking about, but she's parroting something that she has heard over the years, banning imported guns, because she has no stinking clue that that probably 99% or more of the AR-15s are not imported. Yeah, another ignorance that no idea. And these are the people that are going to be making and enforcing our laws, and they want to talk about things that they have no idea which side is up on. So we're talking firearms, and they probably don't even know which end of the bullet you know, the bullet comes out of the barrel. They just it's that shoulder thingy that goes up. It's the we shoulder thingy, it. yeah. And they all shoot high powered two two three rounds, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah, very Line high liars. powered. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't even know what they're talking about. Walmart. We had this problem with on a, my podcast. I was talking about that. The Walmart CEO comes out and starts talking about it, and he's talking about short barreled ammunition has no idea what he's talking about. So how can you solve the problem if you have no idea what you're talking about? Now, Ben, the politicians are also talking about getting weapons of war off the streets. Um, I'm going to defer to you. You're, you're an expert in this. You've been to war. You've been in combat. How many of your Marines carried AR-15s? They carried M16A2 service rifles and M4 carbines. So not exactly the same thing. And how closely related were those rifles to uh, civilian available AR-15? They look, they feel, they shoot a lot of the same, but they don't have the full auto switch. This one, it's kind of a loaded question, Bob, and I'm going to go the different way on you because they are so close that actually when I was in the Marines, I bought, and I still have, a Bushmaster with a 20-inch barrel, A2 sights, that mimicked, looked like, felt like, and weighed the same as the rifle I carried in the Marine Corps so that I could get extra practice in at dry fire and at home and take it to classes because the Marine Corps wouldn't let me check out my rifle whenever I wanted to. They only did it when we went on big field maneuvers and stuff. So I wanted more practice, so I bought one, the closest one I could get to it at the time when I lived in California. So they are pretty close, but they are not the weapons of war that we want. Um, Weapons of war? Yeah. If I'm going to war, I want bigger weapons. I carried lots of bigger weapons. We use lots of cool things. Uh, 40 millimeter grenade launchers, grenades, belt-fed full machine guns, big machine guns. You know, 
that Browning M2. That thing is giant. I want those. Um, the other one I want is the Mark 40. It's a belt-fed 40-millimeter fully automatic grenade launcher. Boy, that thing worked wonders overseas when I was in combat. So I want those kind of weapons of war. If we're going to worry about weapons of war on our streets, and yeah, those may be the ones we want to worry about. But yeah, they're not. They're not they're on price, our streets. They're price prohibitive, so you're not going to find them. I mean, you have to have government money to afford that kind of stuff. And then um, you guys all know ammo. Uh, yeah, you got to have government money to feed those things too, because uh, ammo is very, very expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really not a problem, hasn't been a problem, and I don't see where the problem is, but a weapon of war, I don't see those on the streets, you know? I'm, They're I'm not. Looking for the, I'm They're looking not. for the up-armor Humvees with, you know, penal mounts and the medium machine guns and heavy machine guns mounted, and uh, yeah, I just, if I, you know, as Paul at the suit and the gun says... Can you tell me where these are on the streets so I can go pick them up? I'll, I'll clean them up for you. I'll go yeah. pick them up. I'll get them <laughs> off the streets for you because I'll go pick them up. Exactly. And and, and what about rate of fire, uh, Ben? Uh, what about the rate of fire of of a civilian available AR-15 versus an, an M4 that military units use? Which, which one's got a, a significantly higher rate of fire? Well, the cyclic rate is the same. So what's what the gun will actually fire at is going to be the same. But the military version, you put it on three-round bursts or full auto, and it will run at the cyclic rate. You can't physically run the gun with your finger at the cyclic right. rate. A person so, can't do that. Yeah, and I could do the math for you real quick, but really my best times are 1,500 splits. So that's one round every .15 seconds. And, and what will a full I'm, auto do? That's really what I'm humming it. Um I'm trying to. Well, how many rounds is that a second? One, two, three, four, five. It's a little over six. A little over six. So full auto, you're looking at faster than that. You're looking at ten or twenty rounds per second, because you can go. The M4 is listed at like a thousand to twelve hundred rounds per minute. So if you break that down, twelve hundred, and you just divided that by sixty, sixty seconds in a minute, right? Yeah. You come out with what twenty rounds a second? Yeah, that's about right. So yeah. It's tripling the rate of fire that I can do, and I'm pretty quick on the trigger, and I'm pretty fast, and that's not my normal rate. That's when I'm really, really pushing it. My normal rate is .17, .18 splits. So, yeah, the full-auto guns just run so fast. But yeah, So there are no no weapons of war on the streets? I keep looking, and I can't find them. I was an (laughs) Uber driver for a while, a delivery guy, all of the things. And every time they tell me there's a weapon of war, it's like they're saying that the streets are paved with gold and i keep going to look so that i can find it and it's just not there and i really get it i really get upset that's another just talking point that somebody doesn't understand the problem and they don't understand what's going on and they just want to get the masses riled up and all pissed off so that we can ignore facts and we can get a mob going and then we can pass stupid laws right that's what it is stupid laws which won't even help anyway yeah because i mean come on we've You've been around for a little longer on the earth than I have, Bob, and I know all our listeners are varying. Some of them are older than us. Some of them are younger. But, you know, every decision that I've made when I got all pissed off and riled up and worked up, I don't think any one of those decisions has ever gone well for me. Nope, me either. (laughs) I can't think of one. Me either. I do way better when I sit there for another 30 or 40 seconds or even two days, calm down, and then make a better decision and look at the facts and look at what's going on instead of going with my straight emotion. Exactly. So, yeah, I see that that's exactly what the that whole debate was. They just wanted to get their base riled up so they could get all fired up and pissed off so that they could go do stuff. It's like trying to get the mob to throw that first brick so it becomes a riot. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think we, we kind of made the point. I just I wanted to co- cover all this stuff, Ben. I wanted to talk about it with you because... I, I'm, I'm sure I've got listeners. In fact, I know I have listeners that have sent me emails saying, "Hey, you know, Bob, thank God for your podcast. I'm relatively new to firearms, and you know, I don't know a lot about them right now. And I found your podcast, and I'm just now it, it, you know, getting into it. So I want to educate those of you who are new uh, on on what's really going on out there from the politicians, and for those of you who are not new, for those of you who probably know more than Ben." And myself put together, um, 
let people who are new listen to this episode so so they can kind of understand what what kind of baloney is being fed to them by the uh, anti-gun side. Yeah, I mean, it's sad that we can't talk to each other anymore. We just talk past each other and talking points. I think, uh, you know, you go to a party with other people and you start to look like those the CNN debates where they get two people on or the Fox side where they Fox is really good at this. They did it first, I think, where they get a pro and a con on the side of whatever debate they're talking about and they just start screaming at each other. They just start screaming at each other and, and you're talking about getting people riled up and tapping into emotions. That's what they're trying to do. One quick thing I'll say, and then I want to move on to uh, my 22 conversion for my Glock that a listener asked me to talk about. Uh, I'll make this a short story. I'll try to keep it under one minute. I did jury duty about a year and a half ago here in San Antonio. And um, one of the, uh, well, the case that I, I did not get picked as a juror, but the case was about a convicted felon who used a gun in a crime. And... Uh, which, it, if he was found guilty of that, he needs to pay. But the prosecuting attorney was one that surprised me because she asked the jury pool how they would feel if she could prove that this guy had used an unregistered gun. And I threw my hand up in the air and, and I said to the attorney, I said, uh, we don't register guns here in Texas. And she kind of got a little surprised, and then she says, okay, well, 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 what if I could prove to you that he illegally purchased this gun, and I could show you a receipt proving that he illegally purchased it? And I said, ma'am, if he's a convicted felon, he cannot legally purchase a gun either. So what are you talking about? And here's a woman prosecuting a gun case that doesn't know that the state that she's working in doesn't register guns. And that felons, convicted felons, can't legally purchase guns. And uh, by the way, I didn't get picked for that jury. Can't imagine why. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But the it's ignorance just the lesser, is just amazing. It's the lesser included offense. And when I went to cop school, they would talk about this, and you would put every single offense that you could ke- catch on somebody down on that piece of paper. So we call them lesser included offense assault and battery. The offense is that you hit somebody that's the battery your assault is that you attempted to hit somebody so it's assault and battery but if you could list 50 charges down there from one act the guy did putting him in jail got really easy because the jury is bored and thinks this guy's guilty already by the time you list 50 acts that he did that are against the law so that's what she was trying to do and i think it's dumb that she doesn't articulate it well and yeah she should be if she doesn't know which sounds like yeah, I've heard that story from you a bunch, and it pisses me off. Talk about getting emotionally charged. Well, that we would have a prosecutor that would be either that much lying to put somebody in prison, or that ignorant. Either way, I'm just like, you should not be prosecuting people. You're taking people's rights away by prosecuting them, and you don't know the law that you're trying to prosecute them under. Yeah, you you were super calm about that, Bob. I would have been jumping up and down, like throwing my chair at this lady. For trying to take somebody's rights away and yeah. put them in prison for a long, long time when she doesn't even know what she's talking about. Well, so now she got smart. Then she figured out. She said, "Okay, what if I could pr- prove to you he was in possession of the handgun, which 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 a felon cannot be." Okay, and you know what? They probably ended up proving that, and they probably ended up. Um, sentencing him to prison again or extending his sentence or whatever because he can't be in possession. But, you know, she she made two critical mistakes. And you know, for that reason, I, I, I hope she would have lost the case, but she probably didn't. And again, the felon should not be even in possession of of a handgun. So, But there are people like that. She also finally admitted, this attorney, she finally admitted she's from the Northeast. And when I called her out on the fact that we don't register guns in Texas, where she came from, they do register guns. So, you know, but still, she's in Texas. Know the Texas law. Should have got her law license in Texas. Yeah. Know the Texas law. Know the Texas law. That's the thing. You're going to be a prosecutor in Texas? Know the Texas law. Okay. Um, A listener, and, and throw your thoughts in on this, Ben. A listener said, hey, Bob, I've never heard you talk about your 22 conversion kit. And he's right. I never talked about it. So let me talk about it. I own an Advantage Arms 
uh, Glock 19 22 conversion kit. Uh, and it's a really cool device. And for people who don't have one, get one. And not just Glocks. I, I think they're made for M&Ps and uh, many other guns out there, even 1911s. Uh, it's very, very useful. All this is, you can probably see this, Ben, but I know the listeners can't. It's an upper. It, it, it's a Glock upper made by Advantage Arms. And all I have to simply do is just take the upper off of my normal Glock 19 and replace it with the 22 upper and use these Glock 19 look-alike 22 long rifle magazines. Uh, and it's really cool. And that's it. And it's very reliable. And I'll tell you, and so it turns my Glock 19 into a 22 pistol. And one of the neatest things is uh, my 13-year-old stepson had never shot a gun, and so I took him to the range uh, two months ago. And this, this is what I started him with, um, the 22 long rifle conversion for my uh, Glock 19. And, I mean, he, he took to it like a duck in water. It was, it was a great thing to see. That's a great one to have, too. You get the teenager excited because it's a, quote, Glock, but it's a 22, so it's something that has zero recoil, and it's just a lot of fun to shoot. Yep. And if he says, I want to go again, I want to go again, you just pull out the you know, the brick of 500 22s and hand it to him and say, have at it. <laughs> yeah. I know they're not $15 anymore, but you know, for 30 bucks, that kid can stand there for a long time shooting 22s. So ammo is always great in the little 22s. Yeah, and it's it's a great device. And again, I know Smith and I mean I know they're made for Smith and Wesson MFPs, right? You know, I don't know anymore because those the the popularity fell off of those on politics. <laughs> We're always back to politics, aren't we? Yeah. Back in when President Obama got elected the second time, those got super popular when ammo went away, and then got super expensive because twenty two ammo was still cheaper than nine millimeter ammo. So even when it got triple, quadruple, and five times the price that it normally is. Remember that, Bob? That was a while ago, but that was um, I do remember that because I'll, no, I'll tell you That's no, when you got that 22. That's <laughs> when I purchased this. That's when I purchased this. Uh, when we had the ammo scarcity um, crisis, I went out and I immediately dropped a lot of money on this 22 conversion kit and four of these uh, 22 magazines and a bunch of 22 ammo and I shot a class with it. I, I, I took a class and shot the whole class with my uh, Glock 22 conversion kit because it was about half the price. Yeah, I remember that. And it worked about half the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it worked pretty well. It's not, as, it, it's not as reliable as the real, but it, it's not bad. So you had more, more malfunctions with that thing than anybody else on the line. But, yeah, it worked. And it's just a lot of fun. So if you want something fun to do with your Glock, buy one yeah. of those Advantage Arms. I'm sure you can get them dirt cheap right now because they're not popular. So when they're not popular, it's the time to buy them. And that's the time to buy them. And, and, and 22 ammo has gone so far down in price now. Buy a lot of it. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to go I need to go to my ammo, ammo affiliate and buy a couple cases. <laughs> a yeah. Case of 9mm and a case of 22s is what I need. By the way, for those of you don't, that don't know, Ben's the host of the Modern Self-Protection podcast which you should listen to and tell them who your ammo affiliate is oh i use lucky gunner i've had an affiliate with them for a couple years and honestly they're my affiliate not because they give me money it's because that's where i go to shop for ammo if i need ammo i just put in my affiliate link and go over there and buy ammo so if you want a good spot lucky gunner is my spot it's uh, modern self-protection.com slash ammo right Yes, if you want to use my affiliate, that would be awesome. I wasn't going to advertise on Bob's no, show. No, no, no. I, 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 volu- <laughs> I volunteered to advertise for you on my show. That's that's fine. Yeah, um, modernselfprotection.com slash ammo will get you over to Lucky Gunner's site through my affiliate. I get all of a quarter percent or something. I don't know. I make 15 to $50 a month on it. So every four to five months, I can get a case of ammo because that's what I do with it. I just send it right back to them and get more yep, ammo. Yeah, there you go. Send it back. Well, it... So you, you take care of your ammo needs. Um, okay, so we shot a competition match yesterday. We shot uh, kind of like our new favorite match now, AASA, American Action Shooting Association, here in San Antonio. And they're not nationwide, and I think a lot of people probably wish they were. But um, it's, a, it's a great match. And I'll just start off by saying, as I've said many times, what I really like about this match is a few things, this competition. 
You can load your, your magazines to full capacity. You can load your magazines to full capacity. Whatever full capacity is for you. It could be 15, it could be 17, it could be 20, it could be 33. They allow that. Sometimes they throw a mandatory reload in the stage, and guess what? Sometimes they don't. So you could shoot the whole stage without having to reload. That's one real cool thing. And they pretty much allow any kind of a modification that you want to make to your pistol. They'll put you in a different category, but they'll allow just about anything. And that's 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 what I really like. And, and they shoot a lot of steel, which is just so much fun to shoot. So how did you do yesterday, Ben? Well, I shot the pistol okay, and I shot the rifle a lot better than I thought I would. I shot two guns yesterday, and, and the rifle is the sub-2K that I'm working with, that 9mm from Caltech that folds in half. That's a lot of fun. So I've been shooting that a lot, and hey, I'm getting pretty good with those little... I'm thinking I need to stick with the pistol caliber carbines in all these competitions because I'm getting really good. I'm getting to the top one or two spots all the time, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. But yeah, yeah I'm you just shot that very well. Up, I'm trying to look up the scores while we're talking because they actually do some cool things. Are yeah, they I'm out yet? This. Are the scores out yet? Uh, yes, yes, they are. Ah, okay, okay. So you shot that. You shot the. Uh, you also shot your M and P. Yep, and I'm sure I didn't do very well on that. I don't know why. I was just not in tune with the gun, probably because I've been working with the pistol caliber carbines for the last three months and not my pistol like I should. I just got it back from... And, you know, I've been shooting those uh, those diamond-shaped sights for a long time. And now that I'm going back speed to Speed sights. The speed sights. I don't think I like them as much. I think I'm going to go back to just a traditional three-dot sight on them. I'm going to knock those out and put another set in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't it couldn't seem to figure out where it was shooting point of aim point of impact whether it was the tip of the dot whether it was under the dot whether it was in the center of the site or the top of the site it was really weird and I was just wasn't getting a warm fuzzy feeling with it so yeah I might have to switch out on those yeah yeah so switch out on those and 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 do what makes you happy it it was a fun match and as I mentioned earlier in the episode uh, I shot my completely stock uh, Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 Compact, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I think the I think the big thing about this competition that is a positive there's uh, there's a negative I'm going to talk about in a minute, but but the big positive of this is that you get to really shoot the match as you carry your gun. I mean, who owns a gun that has 15 that that holds 15 rounds? And only loads 10 rounds in the gun. Who, who does that? So you get to shoot. You get to shoot as you carry. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And then you don't have to worry about a lot of things. It's just shoot the match. And you get to think about shooting and doing what you're supposed to do. Because it's all... I like the steel plates with the different colors. Because you have to think about what you're shooting where. And it's a bunch of different shooting blocks. It makes you think and go through a course plan and then actually execute your plan as you're going. Yeah. And, you know, all of us get dumb when that beeper goes off and you get yeah. a lot of adrenaline hit. <laughs> so I like that, that you have to work on it and think about it. And there's a lot of gotchas out there that uh, will yeah, get you disqualified if you shoot too close to the steel, which is technically unsafe. They're very, very cognizant of that. So they put fault lines out there. If you step over that fault line and you shoot that piece of steel – you're you're disqualified because well that's not good for you it's it could be unsafe so they don't even mess with that that's kind of cool but with all the different color different color steel plate racks yeah and different color pieces of paper you have to shoot a bunch of different ones and reloads and boxes to move in and out it really makes you think and that's i think that's why i'm loving that one more than anything else especially shooting the carbine in that match that one just I don't know. You got me into it. You took me a couple times like, eh, yeah, I don't I did. know, kind of. And then we started doing it more and more. And, you know, the more I do it, the more I like it, especially with the carbine. It's just a run and gun, super fast, shoot all the targets as fast as you can kind of thing. And it's just you, the score is simple. No hit factor, no math involved. It's just uh, your time plus your misses. That's it. They add time for misses and procedurals and oopses. And I was looking at my score, and yeah, I had like zero down through the whole thing with my rifle and three procedurals. 
And that's yeah. why I'm third in rifle instead of probably first, because I had three procedurals. I see you still beat me. Uh, you beat me by two spots, so uh, good job. And uh, oh, with, uh, with pistol. your pistol, with your pistol, yeah. So I'll talk about one of the negatives uh, on this match that, that really is not the great. They don't emphasize or even mandate any kind of use of cover or concealment or anything like that. So, um, which I which I think is always tactically a good thing to do. And you're not going to get any of that kind of practice shooting AASA. But for the most part, uh, and by the way, I'll take back a little something I said. I said, you know, who would carry a gun that holds 15 and only load 10? Yes, if you live in a state that only allows you 10 rounds, then then I guess that's going to be you. But if you live in a state, which is most states, that allow more than that, you're going to load your your gun all the way up to full capacity. Yeah. All of us do, and then shooting it. Um, I don't mind that. I do like it that it's emphasized less on the reloads because, well, really, in a real shooting, how many times are we going to reload? Probably yeah. not much. Oh, well, I've <laughs> I've said that so much, people are probably here sick of me uh, saying it. Uh, but, but the answer to your question is hardly ever will you reload in a civilian defensive gun use. Yeah, so... IDPA and USPSA, you've got to reload, you know, once if not twice or three times during your one stage. And that's that's where you can really shave time if you're a competitor is getting that reload down. And in the real world, your reload, you know, it's going to be if it's if you have to do it and it's important, it's going to be the most important skill you ever had in your life. But the number of civilians that have to reload in, well, I think we found two now together in, you know, the last five years or six years we've been how many years we've been doing this now bob my this is my this is my well you mean my podcast or yeah together you and me together working on this uh i think about seven years seven years yeah Yeah, so seven years in the last seven years we found two civilian gunfights that they've had to reload in i think you found one and i found one so and that's us always looking at them always reading the uh, always reading the reports always digging through them so yeah it's a it's that skill that you'll probably never need. So they emphasize it so much, though, in all the other games, just to start separating the pack because the shooting gets so close together on those top-end shooters that you know, they're talking a hundredth of a second after you know doing six stages and firing a hundred rounds. So Yeah, and the problem with that is all the time that you spend practicing your reloads and trying to shave small increments of time getting faster with your reloads, so much of that could be time you could practice on a more important skill, such as being able to make an accurate enough hit or drawing your gun fast enough to be able to get the first couple hits on target. I think practicing reloads too much could actually be counterproductive. Yeah, it just takes time from other things that would probably be better spent. Moving and drawing, that first hit taking cover, shooting around cover, barricades, all of that good stuff, coming up with a defensive plan for your family and working through it. There you go. There you go. Yes. Yes. Or even shooting some drills that can improve your speed and accuracy. You know, I've always said, win with the amount of rounds you got in your gun. If you don't think you have enough rounds in your gun while you're carrying it, then get a different gun that holds more rounds. Win with what you got. Don't count on the fact that you're going to win with a reload. I like that. I'm going to have to steal that from you. Win with what you got. Win with what you got. You're welcome. You can steal it. Steal away. That's fine. I'm a big believer in that. Win with what you got. So, again, if you don't like that your gun only holds five or six rounds, then carry a gun that holds nine or ten or 15 or 17 or 20. <laughs> 21 now. You can get 21. <laughs> 21 now, yeah. Um, because the likelihood is you're only going to get a chance to win with the one magazine that you got in your gun. That's the yeah. likelihood. I would agree wholeheartedly as we keep seeing more and more stuff come out with more and more surveillance video. Yep. You don't see very many people reload at all. But I'll add I'll add to this discussion, always carry an extra magazine. Why? Well, you like it for malfunctions. Yes. I just like it because um, if you need to reload your gun in a gunfight, 
you are having the worst day in your life, and it just got exponentially worse because you ran out of ammo. Because you ran out of ammo, and both both Very of them are good. Ammo. Both of them are good reasons. Because you might have to clear a malfunction, which is high, much more likely than having to reload the gun, or you fell into the one out of a thousand gunfights that that had to reload. Yeah, and well, let me tell you what my luck is like, Bob. I don't know about your luck sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm having those bad days where it seems like all the luck is against me. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep the extra ammo. I always carry an extra reload for whatever I'm carrying, but I'm I'm definitely into the. You're going to have to win and have a plan to win and execute that plan with what's in the gun, not planning on going on to anything else. Yeah, and uh, that's it. That's you know pretty much all I wanted to cover during this joint session with you. After this, I'm going to answer. I got three voicemails uh, from listeners that I'm going to answer. Uh, I'm going to close out the show with uh, with listener voicemails. But uh, Ben, I'll give you the last word. Anything you want to add to this discussion? No, it's a great discussion. I love coming on. I love talking to your listeners and hearing from them. So, well, actually, you know, there is something we should add. Ah, we, oh, we yeah. Are, How can we, we forget that? We're teaching some courses coming up. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you didn't let me forget that, Ben. We're teaching some courses. Talk about them. Yeah, we're going to be doing two two-day courses. They're going to be exactly the same for different weekends. The end of October, that last weekend in October, we'll be here in San Antonio teaching Bianca Seal Carey our one-day flagship course on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we'll be teaching um, really a really, really fun course. We'll be doing a lot of sh- really fast shooting. We'll be doing a bunch of drills and qualifications. We're calling it Beyond Concealed Carry Qual Day. It's just going to be a really a lot of fun. Bob and I are going to shoot a lot of it with you, and we're going to do a bunch of impromptu competitions with that. And you'll be able to shoot really cool drills that you get to hear about a lot, like the El Presidente drill. And you'll be able to do it a bunch of times under the timer so that you can get faster at it and see where you want to go. And Bob and I are going to do a lot of coaching, not a lot of teaching that day on how you can go faster with your gun because that's what we all want to do, right? We all want to do that super-duper six-second El Presidente and all that cool stuff that you hear some of the pros do. So we're going to shoot a bunch of those to have fun. And that's you can sign up for one or either-or day. Um, our Sunday course, that qual day, is going to be an advanced course, so you have to have a different course before that. But that Saturday course, that's our, that's the that's the course that everybody needs to take first. And uh, we're going to have yep. seal carry. Oh, that one. I was talking to somebody else trying to sell it to him, and he's taking – $500 courses at his local range for the weekend and I heard what he's what they're teaching and I'm like dude come to our one day course we will teach you 10 times and you will be 10 times the gunfighter when you come out of our one day course than you would be taking that all that whole weekend with that local range and if you that don't believe day, us check out some of the reviews that we have yeah that one day course if you only have one day to become a gunfighter we will make you the best gunfighter out there in this one day course other courses are three, four, or even this is level three stuff that they teach that we'll be teaching you on day one, and you have to take their level three course, you know, one, two, and three, and each course is a weekend, so that's six days in. They're catching us. So that that is the course. If you want a pistol fighting course, that is a course. And but tell them when those classes are. So, yeah, that's October 26th and 27th, that last weekend in October here in San Antonio, and then November 9th and 10th, two weeks later, we'll be teaching the exact same two courses because, well, I wanted to make sure that you were able to make one or one or the other course. I know everybody has – it happens to me all the time. I'll see a really great course out there, and I'm like, ooh, I really want to take that. And it's like, oh, that's the weekend that I right. promised we'd go see the in-laws. <laughs> yeah. And then I try to get out of that, and then my wife's all upset. So that's why we decided to do it two weekends so that you know if you have your in-laws that you have to see that one weekend in October – Hey, we always got the one in November or vice versa. Yeah, we tried to take the time objection out. And so if you want to sign up, you can go to either one of our websites. You can go to handgunworld.com, and you'll see right there it says upcoming training classes on my website. Or you can go to modernselfprotection.com slash courses, and you can sign up either way. And we have early bird specials. You'll save some money until September 27th. Um, this podcast is airing on the 16th of September, so you don't have much time left for uh, early bird specials, so don't procrastinate. Cool. All right, Ben, 
Thanks for joining. Uh, folks, again, check out his podcast, ModernSelfProtection.com. And uh, I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks. Thanks for having me.